Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Help Desk, a daily tech podcast for the rest of us. My name is Peter Wells. And I'm Tess Bennett. And Tess, it looks like following the uh, weekend results, New Zealand remains a safe country to dream about fleeing to. It does. Unfortunately, it's only a one-way opening at the moment. Mm -hmm. New Zealand is coming over to New South Wales and anywhere else they can (laughs) (laughs) find their way into. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. But let's move on to the tech story, shall we? The Guardian reports that a total of 2.2 million ads on Facebook and Instagram have been rejected and 120,000 posts withdrawn for attempting to obstruct voting in the upcoming US presidential election. Facebook's Vice President of Global Affairs and Communications Nick Clegg also said that the warnings have been posted on 150 million examples of false information posted online. Now, Facebook has been increasing its efforts to avoid a repeat of the events uh, leading up to the 2016 US presidential election when its network was used by Russia for voter manipulation. So the US election is now just 15 days away. uh, So that was four years well spent. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I know. Uh, I, I feel like uh, it, it's like all of the essays I wrote at university. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, it's due tomorrow. Okay, quick. Like once again, Facebook are doing the right thing, but ads aren't where their misinformation is. Like, like we said last week, it, it's in the groups, it's in the viral posts. That's that's the uh, issue that they have to tackle. And I don't know whether they will in time because that's the issue that costs a lot of money to tackle. Yeah. So ads is uh, maybe easier to you know decline accepting people's money. And I think the other interesting thing here is they've used the word withdrawn. You now, 120,000 posts have been withdrawn, which would suggest to me that, that it's been up up online for a while and, mm-hmm. and then it's been taken down rather than you know, an ad where you prevent it from being posted in the first place or you can stop it before. So it's a little bit, has a little bit of an air of Facebook marking its own homework. So really, I'd want someone else to be sharing these numbers and, and getting a an open look at the sort of scale of the problem that Facebook is dealing with from a third party. Yeah, unfortunately, we won't see any of that until about a year after we find out what happens. Anyway, the markup has created a new citizen browser project. It's it's actually a plugin. The the idea behind it is 1,200 people will install this plugin on their browsers, and then it will it will track it. It will send all the information that Facebook and YouTube. Uh, specifically, or Google, I, I should say, are sending back to their servers. And the way that manipulates the algorithm to serve you the next video that you watch on YouTube or the next thing you watch on Instagram. It's a, it's a really fascinating thing because for both of these companies, that algorithm is the secret source. That's how they make all of their money. So they're very reluctant to show what happens there. But of course, we need to know as a democracy because just like the story before, 
what happens in the algorithm will push people towards certain beliefs. This is a really interesting attempt at trying to reverse engineer an algorithm from the outside. Mm. So there's been a few attempts at it. And, you know, we discussed the rabbit hole series last week, which which looked at YouTube's algorithm from a user experience, looked at what was actually happening or what the, what kind of behavior the algorithm was driving. So it's a, it's interesting to sort of ch- these attempts to get deeper into the weeds here uh, and the detail of how these algorithms work. Yeah, I mean, if it was available, I would install it immediately because I'd be fascinated to see how how this works out. Because I've been served things on YouTube where I've just thought, "What the hell are you? <laughs> what do you think of, about me that you're serving me this ad or the, or this video?" So I, I'd love to be a part of it, but unfortunately, just twelve hundred people to just. Uh, based the study on so far. And another shout out from the markup is that they, I think in September, launched a a service called Blacklight, which lets you enter the a website URL, and then it'll tell you what services that website is using to track you. It's often cookies and ad trackers. uh, Facebook knows what you're doing there. You're you're showing up on Google Analytics. It it can even tell you if a site is capturing your keystrokes. So if you you want to do some sleuthing to find out what your regular websites are collecting when you visit them, uh, yeah, take a look at the markup blacklight. Fantastic. On to the ABC, where you may soon have to log on to watch ABC iView. Over at uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, Zoe Samios reports that ABC sources have said the broadcaster intends to make password-protected access compulsory from mid-next year on its video catch-up service. Commercial broadcasters do this. They make you log in to watch whatever video you want to watch, and that helps them serve ads that are related to your demographic and your behavior. It seems here that the play is more about personalizing the iView platform. So these logins help create a profile that the broadcaster knows what you've watched and what you'd like to see. It may raise privacy concerns, but I guess it will just come down to what data the ABC actually asks for if they start asking for your household income. That's probably not something they need. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so you may just have another password to remember. I always thought this was the thing anyway. I was setting up a new smart TV over the weekend and it asked to link my account to my iView account. And so I did and went along with my day because I, I... just been given a similar prompt by every other app on the on this particular box. When you popped it in the show notes, I, I checked Twitter and, and people were outraged everywhere I looked. And I just don't get it. It's like I I, I share iView with my five year old daughter. I would much rather have a personalized view of of what shows I should see than have her her playlist mixed up with mine. I mean, she's already destroyed my Spotify. Um, the, I really don't want it to ruin my eye view as well. Yeah, I, I would think of it as maybe similar to signing up for a newsletter. The ABC will need your email address for that. Mm. So it's a, it's a similar experience. Yeah. And TPG is planning to launch a low-cost mobile brand called Felix that looks set to compete with Belong, Telstra's low-cost alternative. So we don't know the prices yet, but TPG has said it will increase competition in the market, which was a key concern, which actually held up uh, the recent TPG and Vodafone merger. That wasn't allowed to go through until they sort of met all these concerns that that the deal wasn't going to make the mobile and broadband market less competitive. Mm -hmm. I feel like I pay too much for my MBN. I I would happily uh, look at any lower cost alternatives because at the end of the day, it's it's all the same service in the back end. So yeah, I might I might have a look at this. I mean, I, I like my guys because they're they're local, and so I get a local 
prices deal. But um, what did you make of this uh, test? I think the market is really becoming commoditized. So that just shows that this is going to be more activity at that low cost mm. Uh, end of the market. And hopefully, if consumers are more, you know, motivated, they can shop around and find better deals. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the MBN, the speeds aren't that great anyway. So we're, we're seeing higher speed, higher bandwidth uh, plans coming out soon, but they're not here yet. So at the end of the day, why pay more? But anyway, moving on to Apple and Apple's products from its previous event, just from last week, have yet to ship to customers, and we're already getting rumors about the next Apple event. Uh, this one is so far slated for no- November 17. It's expected to see the introduction of ARM-based computers. Uh, Apple promised ARM Macs before Christmas at their WWDC event, and so I guess this fits in with that timeline. You, you would imagine they'd want to announce them before the Christmas rush. The big question amongst my nerd friends is which Mac is going to get ARM first? Is it going to go to the highest selling Mac in their lineup, the MacBook Air, which kind of makes sense from uh, the, the the Air has always been marketed as this lightweight super battery device, uh, which ARM could definitely bring. Or is it going to go to the Mac Mini, which is the lowest selling Mac in the in the lineup? which is probably the safer bet. If you're going to introduce an entirely new architecture, you want it to be beta tested by the, the least amount of customers. I don't know. What, what, what do you think, Tess? Uh, I guess this is that interesting volume argument or versus margin. If it means putting it into the, the top of the range or the highest selling MacBook Air that they could you know, double or triple the price, uh, maybe that's where they'd look to go first. Whereas if it's not going to significantly add to the the price of the Mac mini, maybe hold off. You know, Apple is already a pretty high margin company. Mm-hmm. It, it, that might factor into, into how they make their decision. I honestly think that the, the ARM processors will mean uh, lower prices for the, the mm-hmm. Macs that they're being introduced into. Because if you look at the, the price breakdown of a MacBook Air, of the 999 US dollars that the Air goes for, about $400 of that goes to Intel for their processors. So if Apple can mm. take that price out, then, I mean, you know, who knows if they're going to pass on the savings under Tim Cook, but uh, it's potential. Yeah, interesting. And finally, if you wanted something to cheer you up for the rest of the night, then you need to head on over to ZDNet, uh, which has a story about smart lights being used uh, to help little turtles uh, make it safely back into the sea. So, it, I mean, just go there just for the, the photo of the little turtles uh, crawling across the beach. But it's super adorable. Finally, there is a use for smart lights. I've got like 12 in my tiny little apartment, which is ridiculous and, and kills my internet no, <laughs> all the time. But uh, finally, finally, a good use of smart light globes. The Help Desk is a work in progress. We're going to figure out what works best as we go along and we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to ask questions or get in touch at ask at thehelpdeskpodcast.net. I'm Tess Bennett. I'm Peter Wells. And thank you to Lauren Watson for the beautiful artwork that you're looking at. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.